When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're a, you're a fan of interviews with, or maybe not necessarily interviews, but a fan of Mr. One Bradley Charles Cooper, are you not? Oh my God, Brad. Bradley Cooper. Sure. Man, that that clip of him on Inside the Actors Studio is so good. Like, I think there's a couple out there cuz he went to the Actors Studio and there's uh there's one where he just like is just crying, crying his eyes out. Yeah. To like, I think it's Robert De Niro or Sean Penn and he's or he's just like, I don't know if he, I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah, it's and also like, I don't know, there's there's Bradley Cooper back in 2006 where he's like doing wedding crashers and you're like this is a good bad guy and then he kind of <laughs> disappears for a bit I think it was like on Alias or some shit or whatever and then there's like the Bradley Cooper that's in like A Star is Born I mean obviously he was in Hangover and that was huge as well he but like American Hustle and stuff too yeah that's it that's it it's like Bradley Cooper David O. Russell versus Bradley Cooper and it, I love Wedding Crashers, even though, you know, by 2021 standards, it's maybe a little problematic at times. <laughs> but what isn't that yeah. has been made in the past? It's I'm, I'm just really happy for him. I, I don't know him personally, <laughs> but I'm really happy for him and for his, uh, for, you know, no pun intended, but his star has uh, risen. Good for him, man. It's funny you mentioned the Inside the Actors Studio one, because that was kind of where I was going with it. Because at the end of that, James Lipton brings up the Proust questionnaire and asks him a few questions from that. Classic. The Proust questionnaire. I thought we could throw a few of them in here to start. Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> What's your most favorite word? My wo- most favorite... Swear word or just uh, straight up word? Normal word. Swear word's coming later on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. All right. I'm like, I both wish I had prepared more for better answers and also... 
I don't know. I'm just like. Did you ever think about it when you were I, watching it? Did you? You never kind of answer them in your mind. You know, I just get so immersed in uh, the the actors' interviews that uh, I don't even think about myself. It's so escapist. <laughs> I'm kidding. I uh, I I do, but I, I I can't remember. So I would say most favorite word. Um, it depends because there's the word that I'll use too much, which is probably like awesome or fuck. Um, <laughs> Either end of the spectrum. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I really shouldn't. E- I really shouldn't put them in emails as much as I do. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one's expecting me to be like, um, sincerely yours, uh, Noah Sacre. <laughs> but then there's like aesthetically words like eon or cactus that like that I don't know. They just look good, but that I think feels more to the aesthetic. Cactus is the logo for uh, vintage. Is it? Yeah, we got a little cactus as the uh, emblem or whatever nice. you want to call it. Well, today's favorite word is going to be cactus. <laughs> Cheers. What's your least favorite word? Least favorite word. I don't know. It's probably like pus. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just... I, A word know. that makes you recoil. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm, I'm good, you know? I don't have the thing where like people are like, I hate the word moist. I like to splish splash in, in a bath and, and in the sea. So I don't mind being a little moist, but pus is like, oh. There's there's never a good situation where you're like, yeah, it was full of pus yesterday. It kind of comes down to the connotations of it. Yeah, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Um, sound or noise that I love? <laughs> sound of my own voice, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's probably more true than it should be. But... Uh, <laughs> John Hamm's got a pretty good voice as well. I'm currently rewatching Mad Men, so. Nice. <laughs> um, sound, the opening chords to uh, A Case of You by uh, Joni Mitchell. It's just that specific tuning. And also it was like, it's so entrenched with, we grew up listening to that record loads and my mom's no longer with us. And so every time I hear it, I just, I just cry and I, I think of her and I'm like, but at the same time, I, I love it. I, I I genuinely like, just love everything about blue, even though it's impossible to listen to uh, these days without just yeah, absolutely bawling. What sound of noise do you hate? Well, he's no longer in office, so we can talk shit about him. But <laughs> Donald Trump's blowhard voice—that shit sucked. Like I know it's such an easy answer, and everyone is going to say it, but. It, it it feels like for four years we've been like rolling on this frequency of just like there's this constant fucking tinnitus or tinnitus depending on which side of the Atlantic you are that's just in the back of your head and then like he got banned from Twitter and YouTube and suddenly you're just like wow okay I'm, I'm not thinking about the president every day that's quite nice so his <laughs> fucking voice really really irritated me like and I, I think they should like they should study it on a like scientific on a science way, my man. They should study it. Um, <laughs> I don't I know I sound like a stoner, but they uh I'd love to know exactly which frequency such a whiny voice. It sucks, man. It sucks. Everything about him and his fucking family suck. Just ugh. So yeah. I, I I honestly like I wish I had a better thing like uh, you know, nails on a chalkboard, that sucks. But, like, not as not as much as fucking... 
Donald Trump's fucking shitty little fucking voice. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> what profession other than your own would you practice? Probably something in movies. Like, I'd probably try and either go act or make movies or fucking anything that has to do with movies. Like, or be a, a conceptual artist or illustrator or cartoonist. Like, those are the kind of things I was almost going to do and stuff that I just do for fun now. But before I went into music, I was going to go into, uh, I was going to go study conceptual art for like movies and uh, concept design, you know, fucking coming up with some cool, cool new car designs for, for Porsche available now. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where the motif comes from in the music, the whole kind of cinema thing that's going on? I think so. I think there's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the, on the album itself and in just the music in general that relates to movies. I don't know. I think there's a lot of songs that start out as a vision of like, like an acid trip. No, like a, (laughs) like, um, like a scene from a movie. You know, when you're writing lyrics, sometimes, sometimes you have a great idea for a song. Sometimes you don't. And sometimes you just write stuff to just like write and you'll come up with some cool lines and you're like, oh, okay, that's an interesting place that my brain wanted to go. Almost like free association, but very quickly you're like, oh, that's, that's kind of the, where the song's going. And uh, it'll paint kind of like a, yeah, like a movie scene. Like I was writing a song, I was doing a Zoom session the other day with uh, this guy Nat from Span 303. And uh, we were we were like writing some cool lines and then we're like, oh, this mean, this is like, the scene of like someone having like his worst day on the stock exchange and just being like, fuck this. And just like running out into the street and getting immediately hit by a, by a Ferrari or or whatever. I forget what it was, but it was like, I think a lot of the songs start out with um, what looks like a movie scene and, you know, or like a, what's his name? Gregory uh, Crudson picture, which all of his pictures are made to look like stills from a movie. He's an amazing photographer, obviously, and cinematographer. I, I think I think a lot of movies and a lot of pop culture informs my music and subsequently the videos I direct. Is that in the same way what you're saying there about like an image from a film or Gregory what was it? Crudson. Crudson. Yeah. And some of those images kind of pull you right in and tell you a lot of different things. Can you do that musically? Are there certain sounds that you can use to kind of hook someone in and pull them in straight away and start to paint a picture? I think so. I think there's like, yeah, for sure. There's there's production stuff that you can do. I mean, in terms of lyrics, you could, uh, you could hint at uh, someone else's lyrics. You could, uh, musically, for example, if I was to like sit down and play like a minor seventh on a piano there's a chance that it would sound quite princey. Um, you know, there's like, there's, there's things, I don't know if I was to like lay down a, um, like that little Yamaha keyboard, you could like have a Juno-y kind of sound or like a, a profity kind of sound and make it sound kind of James Blakey. There's like things that you could do that evoke other things in terms of movies. I think it helps when you like, drop samples into stuff you know i think the avalanches are really good at that and obviously a huge influence on on my entire existence 
bringing up like pieces of dialogue like uh, there's a there's a bunch of snippets on the uh, on the album um where i cut up like pieces like audio from uh, these tapes because my mom was always always had a camera strapped to her hand she's always filming us she died too soon but like if she was around now she would have had you know an iphone and would have had to pay for all the cloud space because it would have been filled up with uh you know countless videos um who knows what could have been but like yeah back then it was you know dv cam and then it turned into like this little flip camera and we have those tapes and my dad a few years ago digitized them all because you have to like you know give them to a service or do it yourself because yeah they're like little dv tapes and so um he gave us all for like uh me and my two brothers and my sister he gave us a little thumb drive with all the like all these all these videos of us when we were kids and growing up which was surreal because you're like oh shit there there's us there there we are and there's all these like background noises of where we grew up in france and you hear the cicadas in the in the summer and you hear like the splashing of the pool and you you hear my mom you you don't see her that much because she's always behind the camera sometimes she's in front but like there's so much of her just like commenting on what's happening so i just chopped loads of that up and and threw it in the album some some of it you can hear at the end of songs or in parts some of it i literally put the 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 volume to you know minus 30 db or whatever just so that it would digitally be baked into the the record without people actually knowing but i know which is such a pretentious artist thing to do but fuck it when the shoe fits <laughs> is uh is that what the end of crash and burn is one of those samples yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i think it's i think it's crash and burn yeah i mean there'll be, there'll be one at the end of crash and burn there's one at the beginning of gwyneth there's like some um some splashing like at the end of everything I know into Gwyneth, it like kind of see. So I, I love that about since I left you and Wildflower to an extent by the Avalanches, all the songs kind of blend into one. And obviously they had versions of that, be it like the Cornerstone or the gimmicks mixes that they did that were like versions of the album. I don't know if they were circulating before the album came. Anyway, a lot of that feels like a big mix of, of samples, but they all go into one. And I, I really wanted that with this record to like have it as a continuous listening experience even though the songs kind of like are just listenable as just songs they're not all like mixed into each other but there'll be like little pieces of audio little like background noises you'll hear just like a a car faintly in the background and it just connects both uh songs so the idea is that subtly your mind kind of just is still listening out for the end of that song and suddenly listening in to the the beginning of the next song is that um, kind of what you're doing with the keys as well on yeah. like Gwyneth, Life in Between and Lay It Right? They're all like in the complementary and it kind of just goes from thing to thing. That's excellent. Alex, you are a smart, smart dude. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I don't know if they told you that or if, they, if you figured that out on your own, but that's awesome. Yeah, it is. The um, Gwyneth is an A and then it goes into Lay It Right. And then it goes into life in between, or maybe it goes into life in between. I think one of those, but they're like complementary keys. Yeah, I think like life in between is same key as um, lay it right, which is F sharp minor, 
which is the relative minor to A major. So they kind of fit together, again, in a very subtle way where you're just like, you're listening to it and it kind of just seeks into like the the next track. And because they kind of fit in the same key, I didn't want to do that with a whole record because A, it would be boring to have your whole album in, in the same key or relative keys. But I just wanted to have like this kind of thing where, because like I listen to things like D by White Denim a lot, like more than most people, although probably my brother Ethan as much has listened to it as much as I have. <laughs> that album does a similar thing where like it's got similar keys and they the songs go into each other and then you get to like whatever that song is in the middle of it where it's like a much slower song. But you've just experienced like 20 minutes of just it, like every color of the rainbow washing over you <laughs> at like a thousand miles an hour. And it's really fun. And it's all in the same key. It, it, but it it's not just a big jam. It like There's all these separate parts and it keeps going into this stuff. It's really fun to listen to. And I wanted to have a little, a little bit of that on my record. Is that what allows Lay It Right to feel cohesive as well? Because that's the original production, right? From a few years back. It is, yeah. I wanted to have Late Right and Klein on the record because I'd been writing the record at the same time as those. And Klein, I really liked the idea of like, because Late Right and Klein are the two of the bigger songs of that I've got out on like Spotify. And Klein's the first song you put out, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it was Aubrey was the first song I put Aubrey. out. And then, but then it was like Aubrey and Klein, same EP. And then the next EP was Lay It Right, which had songs like on it, like uh, Gleason and You Got Another Thing Coming If the Only Thing That's On Your Mind Is Me, which was which was cool. Like, the you know, I really like those songs and I kind of wanted those on. I wanted Gleason on the record, but then there's just there's not enough room and you're making an album. And especially if you're releasing it a little later, it's like put a lot of new stuff on it if you can just to, to make the experience better for whoever's listening to it but because i love lay it right and i love klein as songs i and they meant a lot to me kind of in milestones of creativity and i i just i wanted them on the record like real talk we had to we had to negotiate to to get them on luckily that was a fairly simple process it it looked at at one point that we weren't going to be able to because they came out on a different label but uh, in the end, yeah, they're they're on there. It's all cool, and the album uh, sits. And Klein, being like one of the most popular songs that I've got, is a is a plus. But I for sure wanted it as the last track of my album because the, there's a nice like circular nature of it being like one of the first songs that I released, and it's now like the last track on the album. And it's about my my mom, and it's you know it's it's a very personal track. It's a it's a good note to to leave the record on. It's not a reference to Kevin, is it? Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in the same way that like a lot of my songs, uh, they're written as when I name something, I, I don't name it like demo one, demo two, demo three. I'll give it a famous person's name and I'll just trawl IMDb and I'll be like, I'm not sure who Phyllis Diller is, uh, but... <laughs> People, she's like an old actress. And I was like, cool, I'm going to name a song Phyllis Diller. And it makes it so that I can remember the songs better 
and also just gives each song a little bit of character and like if you don't know what to write about just fucking trawl their imdb and uh trawl their wikipedia page and you'll find some you'll find some shit you'll find some stories gives you a spark yeah that's it and i don't know i i I like naming I like naming songs after famous people, but also it's it's not always famous people. It'll be like the fucking second AD on some like nineteen eighty four B movie and you're just like he or she had a interesting name. So that's the name of the song now. And then eventually once I write lyrics to them, like lay it right till the eleventh hour it was called Gunther parentheses of friends fame um and looking back i maybe should have called it gunther of friends fame because you know i think there's a lot of like obviously david schwimmer's great and ross is mostly great uh as a character but like we need to be uh, shining a bigger light on gunther or james michael tyler the actor who plays gunther he went through a lot on that show yeah, he did. He wasn't supposed to. He wasn't supposed to be a, a speaking part, but they uh, they wrote him in. He was just a, a guy who knew how to make coffee and was in the background, and they just wrote him into the show. And now he probably doesn't have to work all that much. Just lives off the royalty. Well, yeah, I mean it, that shit gets put on TV a lot. I think you probably get um still on Comedy Central every day. Is it? Yeah, I'm so, sure. I remember seeing yeah. it. When I was home at Christmas. Yeah, yeah, and like you'll get residuals which is like royalties. But I don't think that you get residuals for if you're on a streaming platform, which kind of sucks. I don't know. There's, I think there's... More people watching it though. Yeah, I know. It, it, it's it's a different thing. I, I'm not exactly sure how the um, residuals stuff works with uh, TV versus streaming, but I, what I've been led to believe is that if it's streaming, you don't actually get those royalties from something that you appear in. Because like a friend of mine, his dad still gets like, you know... 50 cents once every two years for like <laughs> uh, a harpsichord thing he did on Black Adder like you know fucking 30 years ago or whatever 40 years ago it's so weird how we haven't caught up to that in the internet age like it's the same with everything whether it be like you're sitting there streaming Netflix Spotify YouTube there's all these yeah. kind of weird loopholes where people just aren't getting paid and the kind of corporations are profiting as a result of it I know man it's it's not it's not right. You're kind of like in a world where like everything is going so fast. I know everything needs its due process, but things like that are just taking too long to to catch up. And people, you know, people need the money to survive, especially like musicians and artists and stuff like it's such a volatile there's such volatile professions and people end up leaving like or or stopping it so often because it's just it's too hard, or you. It's, it takes like, too long to, to get paid. It's too like, lo- it takes you have too to long work to get for paid. Like five years before you get anything. Fucking ten years, man. Yeah, you're out here just like grinding and grinding. And I've got so many friends that were just like, nah, like, you know, they 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 stopped playing music. They were just like, I just I, I need to pay rent. It's hard, and I wish there were better systems. I wish there was more. I wish I wish places like the UK and the US uh, cared more about the artists they seem to they out loud say that they care about. Like, you know, the UK they're so proud that they exported the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and like all these great fucking 
old ass uh, white rock bands, which I love. Obviously, I love the Beatles and the Stones. I just mean like they're they're so proud that they like came from England, but at the same time have a government support system for musicians and artists like the way they do in France. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but it's definitely better than like, oh, you want to be a musician? Well, go start a band. Oh, you you want to be a promoter? Well, you have to front the two. 200 quid to rent the the rent the room and then put up the the posters you know but you have to pay for everything yourself hoping that you'll make the money back on the door and on and on a cut of the bar and then maybe you can pay your band 50 bucks and like some beers it's just like it's not a good system that's why like all these bands that go to france are like whoa when did i get elected elected mayor of france like suddenly people get taken way better care of and they get paid like i remember like first show in france or whatever and you get paid like a thousand bucks or whatever compared to the you know 150 quid you get paid for a show locally in brighton if you're this is when you're a starting band i just think there's better ways things can be done yeah it's such a long food chain as well. Like you go from the band to the promoter to the booking agent to the management to the label. There's so many yeah. people that need to take a piece of the pie and that's part of the problem as well. Yeah, I mean, that I'm not necessarily too mad at because if you signed a label deal, like you knew what you were getting into. Same with a booking agent. Like if the booking agent was like, we're taking 10, 15%. If your managers are like, we're taking 10, 15% of shows, your management likely will take 15 to 20% of anything that comes in. You knew what you were getting into when you signed it. Obviously, it's not always a perfect thing. Same with a label. If the label's like, uh, we take 50% of everything, you you could choose to release it independently. You wouldn't have that label support. You wouldn't have someone pushing your records to Spotify playlisting or, uh, or you know, putting marketing behind your record. You'd have to do that all yourself which is totally doable it's just more work on you and it's nice to tap into a label and have that like expertise behind you but if you don't like the cut don't sign it uh, you know some labels are kind of ridiculous in what they what they offer and you're just like man it's it's just not worth it but everybody's got it everybody wants to get paid so i'm not mad at people getting their their share if they're like if everyone's like in there yeah as long as it's fair i think maybe yeah. more what i was meaning is that when you have like a small band who have all these kind of layers at an early stage but don't really need it if you know what yeah I mean. yeah sure yeah yeah i mean that that becomes uh it's 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 hard for small bands for sure the album was originally called character actor before it no false no. Um, it's another album False. Yeah, the ah, okay. I was writing Porsche, and as I was mixing it, as I was like finishing it and mixing it, I started writing a uh, like a bunch of new songs. And by the time I was done mixing uh, Porsche, I kind of had a finished second album, which I then mixed myself mostly. And so for a while, because I got Porsche like nicely mixed by this uh mix engineer called ben allen and we did that remotely he, he was in atlanta i was at the time i was here in brighton um we 
that one I, I paid for and paid a pretty penny because I wanted it to sound like this amazing, you know, quote unquote, like not being a big headed here. I just wanted it to sound like it had that sheen of like a great album. And also like, I don't think I was confident in my mixing the way I am like now. And he did such an amazing job. Um, him and his mix engineer, Ben Etter, really cool dudes and have worked on some stuff that I really love and like, like listen to a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of held back on the record for a minute just as I was like figuring out how I was going to release it. What was my best option to get it seen and heard as I was wrapping that up? I, I, I looked at these 10 new songs I had. I was like, Oh, these kind of all fit together stylistically. I've been writing these and I wrote them really quickly. Like, Considering I spent two and a half years on Porsche, I think I, I wrote all these songs in a matter of like two months or two, three months, something like that for a character actor. And so I started releasing, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to release, I have basically two debut albums. I'm going to release the second one first and the first one second, although the, the album that's coming out second was recorded first and is technically my debut album, but the debut album is going to come out second because I don't know. It's fun to be arty and weird and <laughs> and uh, and nonconformist, and that basically almost happened. Uh, I released a few tracks from Character Actor. At first, I was going to release them all, like I was going to release a couple singles and then release the record, but then that was in a shifting time and. Uh, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to release a single every month off Character Actor. And uh, as I was doing that, I realized actually it's, uh, I've got this other record and I've got this way of putting it out now. So I've still got a few more tracks on Character Actor to put out and the record will come out maybe at the end of this year. Yeah, I don't know. Like it'll come out eventually, but there's a whole other album there. And now I'm basically, I'm starting to write the, what is the third record? But I don't know if that'll come out. I don't know when stuff will come out. But uh, Character Actor, a lot of songs are out there. And there's one called Headlights, which uh, is doing quite well, like on Spotify. And that's re it, like, it's fun to see because that got released completely independently with no marketing, with nothing behind it. Well, you know, I paid for a little PR from a friend who had done some PR for me before, and she's amazing. But besides that, like, it's it's kind of like grown nice and organically on, on Spotify. So you kind of take pride in that. Not that I don't take pride in the rest of, in, in Porsche or, or any of the other things that have done well there. But I don't know. It's nice to see just like this thing that I put out on my own little label and it's uh, it's it's growing. It, it's like, you know, I've I've been growing chilies this year. It's fun from like a seed, a little seed. You grow it and it just becomes this nice big... Like red chilies? Uh, no, shishito, green. green shishito chilies. They're like, they're not very hot. They're like more like Padron peppers. And you just fry them up in like some, a little bit of oil, some salt and, or like some soy sauce. It's quite nice to like, add some tamari to like splash that on the end. Anyway. So you just have them as like peppers. You won't put them in something. Yeah. You just have them as, just eat them as nice little green peppers. They're delicious. And they're like a Japanese pepper. Um, and... You know, they sell a lot of them in California, but you can't find them anywhere here in the UK. 
which is fair enough because it's not the climate for sh- for growing shishito peppers. It's kind of uh, cool that there's still some things that are quite a bit more specific to certain regions. Like in the way we've kind of been globalized, it's cool that some things are still hanging on. Man, we're not like I love avocados and I buy avocados, but we're not supposed to be eating avocados here. <laughs> like same with tomatoes. Like tomatoes suck in the UK because it's not the climate for them. Like you go to France or Italy and you're like Ah oh, man, I could just eat a tomato like a like an apple, but here they're just red balls of cold water. You want some uh, sweet potato though? Then the UK's got you covered. Sure, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want a you want a fucking turnip? Yeah, yeah, game on. Anyway, so the char- character actor will come out, uh, and this some of the songs are out there like Screener Season and Headlights, for which I've done videos for. Screener um, Season is probably one of your best videos. Ah, oh, thank you. That's very kind. You got the whole kind of virgin suicide thing. Going. Yeah, that that the whole thing is uh, again, you know, very much like the I would say character actor especially is very movie orientated, or at least like had that as a conceptual through line for the whole record of just like what it means to be on a movie set. What do movies mean to you? What do they mean to culture? What do it mean to uh, to one's identity because you know people get mired in in the things that they like your identity is the things that you like there's that quote from like high fidelity where he's just like uh fucking call me shallow but like it's the goddamn truth the it's not what is it it's not like what you're like it's what you like yeah yeah it's it's that kind of vibe and i and i and i find that you know, it's a it's a nice well to to keep filling up from because uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of avenues you can uh, you can write from there. Where does Brownstone fit into all of this? So Brownstone's the new single. It's out on March 12th. So hopefully they'll be around whenever this comes out. Yeah, it's uh, Brownstone. I wrote at the same time as Porsche. It would have fit fine on the record, but. I wanted it to be a half hour. It ended up being 45 minutes. But then I was like, fuck it, it's my debut album. Like, I'll just... Do what you want. I'll pack. Yeah, but also I'll, I'll pack it out. I really like making records that are... Uh, or conceptually in my head. I, I'm like, I really like the idea of uh, short, sweet albums. Because it makes you want to listen to them again and again and again and again. Although that theory doesn't completely hold up. Because I'm, tr- I'm like thinking, like, I love that first Vampire re- Weekend record. But I also love the last Vampire Weekend record. And the last one's like a 18, 19 song thing. Yeah, but I guess by then you're like, you're already in with the brand that you're like, you're you're happy to go on a, like a 55 minute journey. But anyway, so the first record I wanted to keep kind of short and sweet. Um, and I liked Brownstone. And I was like, well, actually, this could probably ha- hold up on its own um, as like, a little brownstone EP. So very quickly, as I was wrapping Porsche up, I was like, actually, and that was brownstone was mixed by Ben as well. But yeah, I was just like, actually, I'm I'm gonna keep this and and release it as its own EP. So there's brownstone coming out on the 12th, and then there's another couple tracks, and that'll round out that EP. Yeah, just putting out more music in 2021. It's pretty fun. It's a very kind of classically cinematic image you open it with. You know, when you're speaking about the motel. Yeah, it kind of brings up this image of like Psycho or No Country for Old Men or whatever. Is nice. that kind of a different way of you exploring 
that cinematic idea but doing it in slightly subtler forms because it's not like an out and out cinematic statement but it's still kind of touching upon it for sure it's got it's got um yeah absolutely you you hit it on the head that's um you know under the neon of the motel cheap never looks so good yeah it's very much like it paints that picture of you know old crusty like you say no country for old men style style motel or or what was that movie that rubber which was like a a mr oizo movie i think where like there's this tire that keeps rolling around and 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 murdering people what (laughs) (laughs) look it up man it's it's fucking nuts but uh it's it's cool so and that has some scenes by motel um it's not that movie about the hand that keeps killing people no, but it's 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 a similar vibe to that. It's literally just a tire, and people keep dying. It's it's really funny. It sounds like a troll. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's real. Uh, it's directed by Mr. Oizo. I with that song, it's very much about like. Did you ever see that guy? I forget what his name. The guy was like, the rent is too damn high. That was his catchphrase. He was like running for office. And uh, his platform was, the rent is too damn high. Because it is. Like, he's fucking right. The rent is too damn high. People can't afford to live. And it sucks. And uh, that's kind of what that song, like, touches on. The, the fact that it's millions of landlords out there and uh, lots of lots of people hurting and fuck the 1% and yada, yada, yada. All that, all that stuff is kind of built into the imagery of Brownstone, but wrapped up in this very, like, chill cinematic uh falsetto-y cool little beat thing <laughs> is that an et reference as well which one i'm just looking for a way to call home no it's not it's not a no. et reference I but you know what no keeping let, to it the spielberg theme you know what we'll we'll cut this out we'll say that it, yeah no it is <laughs> yeah yeah it is um i was just uh you know just really am into uh uh, vertical integration and uh, I wanted to uh, you know make make the the lyrics work with the name uh, but you know thank you for for finding that I'm gonna tell people <laughs> that I came up with that and that was uh, the original intent thank you Alex speaking we've been talking about movies a lot how long were you in LA for like in Orlando Hollywood like seven months I think something like that six seven months um, how did you find it it's great it's great. I mean, the plan plan was kind of to be uh, back and forth with it. I, I I went out there because you know I'd been in in the UK for for a minute. I was like, I, I I just I want some sunshine. And my my partner, she had a year off before she had to go back into what was going to be several years of of medical. I mean, she she's already done her medical training. Now she's just been working as a doctor, but still, even when you're working, you're still like, you're always working towards like the next level. But she had it, she had the possibility to take a year off. So she did. And we went to LA and it was great. We, you know, had a few friends there. We made a a few more. Like the first two weeks I got there, I had split up from my old manager, uh, like the November before. And I was speaking to a couple people in LA and just the, the first like few weeks being there was like, suddenly there's all these like talks and sessions happening with all these new people. You're like, Oh my God, like I should have done this ages ago. Like there's so many, 
you know, it's it's a town full of of the things I love, like music, movies, sunshine, the the ocean. Much like Brighton. Much like Brighton, sure. Uh, minus the sun. I mean, Brighton gets its sunshine. There's not as much, but um, and it's colder here. But <laughs> Just a you bit. know, it's Brighton's also like a, a smaller town. That's that's like the the appeal to it. But LA is a bigger town, which is also the appeal to it. Like I, I wanted to be immersed in in a big town with lots of things to do, lots of places to see. It's fucking expensive. I was you know staying with my sister out in sunny old Glendale. And I get to spend like a bunch of time with my nephew and just watch him grow for a few months, which is uh, like they're, they're really formative years. And it's a time that will never be the same again. And so it's cool to just like be able to be around to help and like also just, you know, go biking with a, at the time a, a seven year old and, and, and develop a relationship there. That was it was nice. Um, and it's good good opportunity to get closer with my sister and my brother-in-law and yeah it's just it's a really fun time does your perception of yourself change when you put yourself in a new environment like that it's a deep question alex (laughs) (laughs) does your perception uh yes in certain ways like i think it's hard to when you're working on an artist project like this you're thinking about yourself all the time like to an unhealthy degree you're thinking about your career, you're thinking about your artistic output, thinking about relationships with friends and family. But you're just thinking about yourself a lot in a way that if I was just, you know, if I was going to a job nine to five, if I wasn't to generate the stuff, art yourself, then then you would be thinking about your yourself in that context less. That's one part of it. And you're, I think like being on Instagram and things like that, definitely heightens the the competitive nature uh, of this business, which is not a good thing. I, I don't think it's good to to be competitive, to like look at others and be like, man, they're going and doing this thing. Why aren't I? That happens naturally. And it's good to kind of just embrace it and be like, no, that's, that's not actually how I feel. That's just this like impulse that happens. So I think there's an element of like when you're in a town like that. But... I didn't really get it when I was out there because I was so, it was just like being on Coke the whole time. Cause you're just like, I'm here <laughs> and this is like only going to last like a, a short while. And like, you're just fucking excited. You know, you're bouncing from opportunity to opportunity. So you don't really have much time to like stop and and be like, Oh, who am I compared to all these other people? It's more like, let's play let's let's <laughs> let's make things and i i think when you have maybe calmer leaner times that's when you start getting a bit like oh shit what am i doing and what should i be doing and i mean what you should be doing is the same thing you were doing before um i just think positive man or something <laughs> i don't know that feeling you mentioned there that's more immediate when you were like, you know, you're scrolling through Instagram and comparing and it's not actually how you feel. It's just like an immediate response to it. Yeah. Can you always distinguish? Do you know in the moment? Do you realize pretty quick that that's not actually how you feel or that sometimes linger for a little bit? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a human being like the rest of us, Alex. <laughs> uh, of course, like there's times where you just, where it's, you know, it's in the back of your mind and you're not thinking about it. But more and more, 
I think I get good at um, realizing that feeling as it's happening. I think it just takes practice. Um, like, like anything, I, I don't think Instagram is a good thing. I don't think, uh, I don't think, uh, scrolling through Facebook is a good thing. I like, I like the connection with friends for sure. And I like being able to see this like endless well of creativity and there's some funny ass memes, but like in the long run, is it making me happier? Probably not. No, but it's also like, unfortunately it's it's a it's a business where you can't you can't step away from it like you need those tools and you need to nurture them so you might as well make it as pleasant of an experience as you can don't do it too much do it as much as you're still happy and then once you start getting negative then tell it the fuck off i logged out of facebook a couple months ago man nice that was that was a yeah it was a great feeling i didn't delete anything i just logged out of it Cause I was realizing like I was spending like just too long just scrolling and I'd be like working on a song, be like, Oh, what's happening? And then you just get sucked into it. And you're like, This sucks. You get someone to post for you and stuff on it now. Like the oh. um the band or the music, sorry, rather. Uh no, I still I still post on it, but I'll just I'll just do that when I have to post and then just, log in, yeah. Yeah, just like log in, post or sometimes you can do it through Instagram and I'll just repost through Instagram. Posting um, ghost, I think, is the the phrasing for it, isn't it? A posting ghost. Yeah. So you log in, you post, and then you ghost, you leave. <laughs> Far <laughs> out. And I've learned something today. But like, I should probably do the same for Instagram too. Also, don't be hard on yourself. Like everyone's, it's a fucking pandemic, man. Everything's boring. Like no one, no one's dancing anymore. No one's fucking doing anything. Just scroll through Instagram because because there's nothing else to do right now. Like we all want to go play shows. I really want to go fucking just dance and and drink. Like I I quit drinking back in November as well um, for like a little while, um, and it's been nice. It's been it's been really nice to just. I think there was like a a time in the pandemic not where I was drinking too much, but like there'd be nights where we'd be like, let's have a Zoom call, let's have Zoom drinks, and you get like trashed. Like, you're like, oh, let's make it special. Have a couple margaritas. And you get just trashed. But you're like in front of a computer. It's so depressing when you're on your own. Yeah. Or I'd be with my partner. But still, it's just like, yeah. I just, you know, if we were having some margaritas and, and drinking and we were out having fun with people and conversing. And it's not like this thing of like, no, uh, no, 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 you go. You, you go. Like... <laughs> That's frustrating. But yeah, so I look forward to <laughs> to getting back on the sauce and uh, and dancing, apparently, is what I'm saying. You're just going to hold off from it until the kind of pandemic is by and we can get back into pubs and stuff again? Or I think so. Or I don't know. Like, it wasn't like, or I didn't put myself through AA or anything. Like, I didn't have like that kind of thing, luckily. I just think like I'd, I'd been drinking for like, you know, I've been drinking since I was like, 15 16 you know some some weekends you drink a lot some weeks you end up drinking like a glass of wine or two every night and you're like ah oh, cumulatively this is maybe too much so it's just like ah oh, it's good to take a break from these things like if i'd been doing anything straight for 15 years i'd be wanting to take a break maybe yeah. you know uh music notwithstanding that's kind of easy but even things like that you i think even music sometimes you you kind of need a break from it if you're just like 
you'll go through periods of writing what ends up being similar songs, similar sounding things, which can be good, can be not good sometimes. So you just at least give yourself a couple days break from it where you'll just, you know, I'll just be like, oh, I'll, I'll draw. Or this year, for example, because there was, you know, I was putting the record out this year. I ended up spending most of the first part of this year just directing it, not actually making all of that much music. Like I look back on it now and I still wrote like a fair few songs and I'm like, oh, okay, this actually sounds pretty cool. And they could end up on the third record or what will be the, maybe the second record. Who knows? But um, yeah, just spent so much time doing like promo and, uh, and directing for, uh, for myself, just starting to direct for other people as well, which is really fun. Because it's easy. I love it. Uh, I love making movies. I love getting better at it. And the more you do it in close proximity to each project, the like quicker you you get at things. You end up flow. Yeah, that's it. You yeah you you reach this this flow state where you're just like, oh man, like everything's cooking. I I know how how to import all my files. I know how to edit them quickly. I know what I want. I know what shots I want. Like I got back. We were doing a video a few weeks ago. I hadn't directed a thing in a while. And I hadn't edited a thing in a while. They were like, oh, what do you want for this? I'm like, fuck, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what kind of, do you want a wide? Do you want a close? I'm like, I guess I want both. I think if you're in the, if you're in the zone of it, you're just more like, no, just, yeah, just one wide from over there, one close here, and then let's move to the next shot. But like, if you haven't done it in a while, it's just this thing of like, you're just a little rusty and you're getting back into it. Are songwriting and directing different muscles? Yeah. Yeah, they're for sure different muscles, but they tap into a similar thing. They tap into a similar creativity. Songwriting, when you're doing it, again, there's like this flow state of songwriting. I'll get into it where like, I'll, I'll write a song every day. Like when I'm in that, when I'm in that special Goldilocks zone where everything feels good. Where you're just like, you wake up early, you write a song before midday, and then you record that song in the afternoon. And that's fucking great. And like a lot of character actor was that kind of vibe where I would just wake up. I'd write songs that were weird and that made me laugh. And, but they weren't necessarily funny. They were just like, I was like, ah, and they, that makes me feel something. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll record that. And then you record it quite quickly. Same with directing, like, like I was just saying. But they require different skills, like, you know, d- directing is, especially, you know, even the way I do it, which is like a small, a small crew, I go out with like two filmographers and a photographer. And then if there's like actors, then like or maybe a couple actors, like I'll get some friends involved, like, you know, in the Crash and Burn video, in the When You Want Me video, you know, they're they're all like friends and and a lot of the time the same actors which is fun i i like i like putting in familiar faces where you're just like oh you're almost like tuning into like a new episode like as a new video comes out you're like oh i recognize these characters she played the secret agent in that last video too and now she's hula hooping but also a secret agent treating your kind of overall oeuvre like a like an episodic thing as opposed to just like we're making another piece of video promo treating it like that like what it deserves it treating it with the artistic merit it deserves is a is a fun thing 
Um, but yeah, they're different. They're different uh, experiences for sure. Have you learned things in directing that can then be applied to songwriting and production, like kind of lessons in general? Yeah, like uh, some good collaboration. Um, uh, people are people are smarter than you. <laughs> like you don't know everything, so it's, it's good to be reminded of that. It sounds like such such a big headed thing, and I, I really don't mean it to. I'm so interested in 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 so many different things. Like right now, I'm learning this thing called Touch Designer. It like it'll generate textures and patterns and and things like that for, if you want to use it. It's it, it it's it's a free software that people that you can do so much with. And right, right now, I'm like learning a few bits so that I can use that for the directing side. But also I'm like, oh, but then in the future I could probably generate some shapes, patterns, flow, like motion stuff, like motion graphics to use maybe in the live show. So you're kind of thinking of your, anytime you're picking up a new skill, you're kind of thinking of how it could apply to all these different facets of creativity. So if I'm like, oh, I'm learning how to direct, it's obviously so that I can promote the music. But it's also so that I can end up directing, you know, other music videos and eventually like more scripted content and and, and things like that in in the future would be, you know, the ideal scenario. But it's good to, you know, I'm not going to go to film school at this point because my main job is to make music. And that's what I want my main job to be. But I also like want to learn all these different things. And same with like animation. I'll learn how to like... I'll like animate stuff and I'm like, oh, well, this can be applied to my directing. Again, it can be applied to, to live stuff. and Yeah, it all feeds into each other. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of both directing and live stuff. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan. Popped up at the show in LA. He popped up at the show in LA. Yeah. It's fucking funny, man. He, uh... <laughs> it was my first show in LA and like I have this thing where like I'll have a I have a like a, a dream or it's, I mean it's a nightmare it happens like maybe two weeks or a week before I've got like a show if I haven't played a show in a while and like you know it it doesn't always happen but it's happened a lot where I'll have that dream where it's just like I'm on stage the laptop fucks up there's like 30 people in the crowd but they're all really attentive and they're different shows it, each time the dream's different it's not like the exact same thing but it's definitely got the same vibe each time where i'm just like i'm on stage and i'm like ah okay just two seconds and then like you know everything fucks up and this show in la was my first show and some stuff actually did fuck up it was not my best show and I'm Night Shyamalan was in the crowd. I was like, you, like I knew it. It was him. It was he directed this. It was his big twist. Um, <laughs> no, it's because his daughter was the support act, Salika. She's so good. She's such an amazing singer. She's like, kind of got Erica Badu vibes. They just put out a, a video, which was I think directed by her brother. Amazingly choreographed thing. Like, looks great. Sounds like there's too much talent in that family. Yeah, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent in that family. 
But yeah, I was like, this is your big twist, M. Night. You wanted this for me. You wanted the lights to short circuit the laptop and cut out halfway through Klein. I think that was uh, within the first few weeks of being in L.A. or whatever. And I think maybe like day three, me and Anya went to a, a cafe because I had a I was talking to a potential manager. I like look around. And there's like Aaliyah Shawcat who plays Maybe in Arrested Development and she's in Search Party, which is... She's in a good film, Excellent. Animals, came out a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't see that. Worth watching, pretty good. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. Is it? Okay. Worth checking out. But I, she was, I saw her and I was like, fucking... Right, yeah, you're in LA. Just <laughs> It's just famous people everywhere because that's where TV is filmed. Yeah. Uh, TV and movies are, are, are shot there. So like, they exist everywhere and then the meeting was over i went over to anya i was like did you see she's like yeah john ham right i was like no fucking <laughs> maybe funke she's like oh yeah no i, I saw her i was like john ham was here she's like yeah he's really attractive like yeah obviously he is <laughs> so i missed john ham but i saw maybe but like you just see famous people uh like around m night <laughs> <laughs> was in the crowd do you become accustomed to it? No, but like, I still enjoy the like, again, I'm a human being with two eyes and a heart. Uh, <laughs> but so like, I still get starstruck and, 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 but not in a, I think when I was younger, I was like, so fascinated by like, I think, because we grew up in the south of France, so there's a festival, the festival, uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Um, and so like when we were kids, sometimes you'd go out and just go look at the red carpet just to spot a celebrity. I remember my mom like, like saw Spike Lee or like maybe we also, I can't remember. And then our friend Donna like saw all saints down like the red carpet or whatever. And she got them to, um, why were they can? She, yeah. And she got, she, she got the, the, like all four or five members of All Saints' autographs. And so we have that in the All Saints album at home. But one of them just signed, who the fuck are you? (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought is such a fucking, like in hindsight, such a hilarious move. Just being like, who the hell are you? Why do you want my autograph? You're like, because you're All Saints. And like, this is you know, all going to fade away pretty soon. So enjoy the fame or whatever. But yeah, so, but less so. Like as I've, you know, played shows and gotten to meet more and more of heroes and, and th- or just people in the industry, you're kind of like, you get less starstruck because every time you meet a new famous, you know, quote unquote famous person, you're kind of just like, yeah, they there's just another human with a bunch of other human problems. Like, they probably have psoriasis. Uh, they probably worry about their parents. Uh, I don't know. Like they, they just have like, you know, myriad problems that every other human. Like I met Boy George once. He was super lovely. Backstage at a show. I don't know. There's just like all these like, like randos, that you're like, ah oh, yeah. But then there there's been times where I've met like musicians, for example, that I really like looked up to. I used to have a radio show in high school. And so I'd use that as an excuse to like go interview uh, people that I loved. 
Um, Join the club. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's really fun. And I, I, I miss the, I miss the, the radio show. I really want to like get back into it. But I guess that's kind of what I've been doing with the, the Reddit thing. Live streams. Of, the, of late. Yeah, the live streams I've been doing on Mondays and Wednesdays have kind of turned into that. At first, it was just like playing through songs from the record, just like once or twice a week, and people would tune in, and and like you'd have like two hundred thousand people watching you play your songs from the record, which is rad, and they, and they they interact live, and now every one we do, uh, we I, but I've got Sammy um, producing from LA uh, in the background, or helping out with all that stuff, so. Now it's turned into this like weird thing of, because um, this is an ever evolving show. So now on Mondays it's an interview show where I get to like interview other musicians I love. And then a few Mondays ago, one of the people we were going to interview dropped out, and so I was like, oh well, I could either like go back to just playing my songs, or we open up a Zoom room, and like interview, who or just let anyone come in. And that's become the show now. It's super fun. It's like this, it's, it really feeds into my love of chaos. So it's got a, so we just open up the Zoom room. Sammy basically monitors it. And he's like, yo, okay, we've got a monster 679 or I'm a tiny little girl or whatever, like fucking weird names that they, these people on Reddit have. It's Reddit and some crazy shit going on. Man. They really do. And so we open up the Zoom room and I just sit here with a guitar and my backing tracks playing of these new songs I've been working on and just sing about their problems or their hopes and aspirations for 2021. And that's the show now. And it's really fun. And I look forward to to it every week because I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, spent a few months just doing live streams and now it changed. It's, It's great being able to interview anyone who wants to be you know who wants to get their 15 minutes can you you know that kind of energy you're getting there from that new idea and the kind of buzz you get from it can you channel that into creativity and other forms like could you take that energy and channel it into songwriting in some way and carry it into that process well that's a great question because kind of yeah like the the thing i'm i really want to do for the next album is write it live I was thinking I've, I've, I've dabbled in it and like I'm going to be doing more of it, but like writing live on Twitch and writing live on Reddit where I've just got the camera like this set up and yeah, I just have like logic open. Like, you know, you see plenty of production Twitch live streams from like Disclosure or Kenny Beats or all these things. I really like the idea of writing a whole record uh, live because then you have you actually have like a, a testament of it. You have a, you've, you've left something behind where you can go back and watch and be like, Oh, that's when I came up with that baseline or that's when I come up with those, those drums. And a lot of it is boring. I think it gets fun around the second hour. Once I've like laid down drums in a baseline and I can start jamming with chords and melodies and guitar stuff. Um, I think maybe the the early part of watching someone build a drum kit is maybe a little boring. Although it depends. Maybe someone who's not so much into production might be like, "Oh, this is this is quite cool." I get I get to have the like veil taken off it. But yeah, how long do you stream for? 
depends. Sometimes like an hour, sometimes two hours, sometimes a little bit more. You know, if I'm working on a song, I'm just writing all day. But it's interesting because there's definitely a, a thing of like when people are watching, you get this different energy. So you're more performative, which is a good thing, but you're more aware that you have to entertain someone, which is maybe not the best thing. The best version of it will come out when it's like, once I've done it a bit more and it becomes second nature to just ignore the Twitch side of it and just be doing what you were doing anyway. And then occasionally dip in and see the chat and just be like, use that positive energy to like perform to, but not be so like aware of yourself. If you sit down at an instrument, are you always going to have ideas? Sure. Yeah. 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 So you, you know, there's no pressure of something's not going to come. You know that whatever happens, you're still going to be able to have something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um also like there's plenty of plenty of tricks to like uh force yourself into uh to writing better or to or to come up with something like there are days where you just you put your hands down and you're playing another f minor seven and you're just like like that's just like the chord that my hands naturally go to every time i go to a piano it's just like f minor seven and i love that chord it's great but not all songs can can have F minor 7 in them. Some need other chords. Um, so like a good trick is to just start sampling stuff. Just go through Spotify, find some old shit, like record it into Logic or buy the song on iTunes or whatever and chop it up. And then you'll kind of get automatically like putting in a sampler and chopping it up because you can then take it out later. But you'll, you'll have some chordal information to kind of populate whatever you're doing. So that's a good one. Or listening to music, honestly. Listening to music and just be like, oh, I like the tempo and energy of this song. I like the bass sound of this song. I like the, you know, that warm, brassy synth on this song. So, I'll, you know, you, you just find inspiration wherever you can. Um, and sometimes you need to, like, force yourself into it. I think there's, like, an, a, a thing where... I mean, it's it's so easy talking about it, like, on here. I think sometimes when you're on Twitch, it's maybe you feel self-conscious that, like, those tricks, in the moment anyway, you'll be like, oh, fuck, I'm, like, stealing. But you're not. You're just getting inspired, like, literally everyone does all the time uh, by other art, other music. And then, like, if, you know, if you're struggling with lyrics, same, movies, paintings, um, whatever kind of media or uh, pop culture or art will help like looking at album titles song other song titles or looking at other people's lyrics like shit like that will be will help you kind of go oh yeah that's what they're trying to say i i'd like to say something like that but from this other person's point of view or so when it comes to songwriting when it comes to chord stuff when it comes to production there's always something to do um it's just about not being so aware yeah, not being so aware of yourself, but that's hard to do when you're on camera <laughs> in front of a... It's almost that you're looking for the story of the song. Yeah. Of. Yeah, you are. You're looking for... You're you're looking for what is going to be the thing. But sometimes, sometimes that can also bring you down. Like, I've been in sessions where it's just like, you know, someone's like, oh, I, I want to write a song about... I don't know. I want. I want to write a. I want to write a love song. I want to write this. And I want to write. Uh, I was with someone, and she was like, "I'm in love for the first time." I was like, "That's awesome." 
but you try and find like a different angle from it. And some sessions, like you end up obsessing over an idea. This was a few years ago, me and my buddy Laurie, who we uh, worked on loads of stuff together. And he's on a few things on the album, a lot of it. And uh, you have to just say yes to everything when you're in a session. Just any idea that comes up, just say yes to it. Like, no matter how dumb or how much you don't like it, just say yes to it and see what happens. Because you don't have to use it. Just just say yes, record it. Record anything. If, if someone's like, can we try this bass line? Yep. Can we try this lyric? Sure. I want to, but I want to rhyme the word baby and crazy. Fine. Do it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to do all this obvious stuff. You're like, fine. Because if you say no, then it takes the air out of the room. Like it just immediately like, oh, I'm self-conscious. Oh, fuck. This person's like, they're not going to like my ideas. Um, but if you just say yes to everything all the time, fucking take it out later if it sucks. But at least you you'll have a jumping start to, to like move on to the next fun idea. Yeah. And then when you're, oh. they can often, like if you hadn't gone down that pathway, you wouldn't have gone to the good idea as well. That's it. That's it. And if you had obsessed on like, what are we trying to say with this song? Like if you had obsessed over that for like two hours and got nothing done when you were just like, well, yeah. Like it's just, you know, that, that thing of where you're just like overthinking and you're like, and it's just like silent in the room for ages. And you're just like, like fucking crickets. And you're, and you're like, oh, well, what if we, no, no, that's not, uh, what, no, that either. <laughs> As opposed to if you're just like, yo, uh, we're in a club and uh, we're popping some champagne. You're like, fine, whatever. Like, <laughs> it'll be funny. It'll be weird. It'll be funny. And I say this with a caveat that, I literally said no to a lot of those ideas in past sessions and it took a while to like learn how to to embrace embrace the power of yes with Noah Sacre. <laughs> uh I sound like I'm like in a Jim joined Carrey the, movie. Yeah, that's it. I feel like I, I'm in <laughs> Yes Man. I don't mean it like that. You know, if someone comes up to you and is like, Can I have all the money in your bank account? I'm not gonna say yes because the rent is too damn high. <laughs> brownstone available today um but i think that like in specific creative situations it's important especially in collaboration but actually in your own thing as well but you get in your own way if you're not collaborating with someone uh when you're collaborating with someone it's easier to be like yeah no let's fucking do it if you're on your own you'll just be like i don't know like you'll have that overthinky thing um Anyway. It sounds like the director and you talking when you're talking about, you know, trying to get that momentum and that energy. Yeah. That kind of energy of a set. Yeah. Anything can happen and it's very spontaneous. It is. That's 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 literally what it is, is the nature of collaboration. Like you're not seeing fucking you're not seeing a, a director just on on their own, just with the camera and the actors. Like there's a bunch of people on that set making that thing happen. And I think you you know, those are important lessons that you learn from being on set to making your own music is like, you, to be open to collaboration. And for the first couple of years of Spielberg, I was very much like, no, I'm going to do everything on my own. And I think I probably like stomped a lot of opportunities. Like I was having, you know, uh, 
meetings with people, uh, cool labels early on. They were like, oh, we'd love to put you in this room with this person. I was like, yeah, I think I can just make this record on my own, you know? They were like, all right, cool. And I think that kind of like vibe was very much like, it was a learning curve. And finally, like a couple years, two, three years ago, I kind of like had that click of like, oh, wait, no, this is so much more fun with, with other people. But I spent years in a band. Like, I think people that spend years in a band kind of have, when they get away from it, they, uh, they realize, like, I actually want to do everything on my own. I don't want to have eight voices trying to agree on one thing. And also, like, the band. I was doing a lot of the creative decisions, and they eventually wanted to do more of it. And I think that's why I, like, started veering towards the Spielberg stuff. Honestly. Um, you find a balance. Yeah, that's it. I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's a learning curve. And now I'm, I'm more in that vibe of like the next record. I'd like to get more featurings. I'd like to get more co-writing on it. And I'd, I just like, just want to have it as, yeah, just a big collaborative thing that we can all look back on and be like, fuck, like we all, we all made that. And we all fed off each other's energy while we were making it. It's for sure fun. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.